We're spending our last night in Soho passing some antlers to an army of thieves. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Bex Perfect, and this is Offscreen, your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom. Groovy. Welcome to Offscreen, another week, another big set of great movies that we're going to be talking you through and your big screen, the small screen, and of course, everything in between. We are kicking off with something that has already put a smile on both mine and Van's faces, uh, which is the prequel to Army of the Dead, which you may have seen on Netflix a few months ago. It was the Zack Snyder directed zombie Las Vegas heist movie. And now we're getting what happened before and it's focusing in on one of its key characters, which is the safe unlocker. I mean, a safe cracker, maybe. Safe cracker, I think, isn't it? Safe cracker. Yeah, safe cracker. I think they call him a safe cracker. A safe cracker, yeah. He's also the director, incident. I'm going to have to pull up his name because he has a very, very German name and I'm I'm not going to be able to say it off the top of my head. So he is Matthias Schweighofer. So Matthias Schweighoffer, Schweighoffer is both the star and director of this. And of course, he, he was kind of a scene stealer in, in Army of the Dead, yeah. wasn't he? He had a few, yeah. few decent scenes in that. Yeah, he was. And and this, this movie follows kind of him uh, having his obsession with safe cracking, um, a particular set of safes which are seen uh, deemed as kind of unpenetrable, um, and him being pulled in by Natalie Emmanuel, who plays the leader of a, a ragtag gang of thieves um, who wants him to come and help them unlock all of these saves, not just for the money, but for the legendary thrill of it as well. We should just pitch as well on top of that, that this is all taking place at more or less the same time as the events that set up Army of the Dead. So that is all, in the the background, you've got the news coverage in the background where the zombie apocalypse It's just like peppered in, isn't it? It's just peppered in, just giving you that. (laughs) Sprinkling of zombies. But yeah, other than that, it's a prequel to the zombie heist movie without the zombies. Ludwig Dieter. Safe cracker extraordinaire. Ladies and gentlemen, your winner! We've been watching you. I belong to a crew that executes international bank heists, and we want to recruit you. I mean, I am no criminal. The world's distracted. This window of opportunity isn't just our only chance, it's yours. My only chance. What? A life less ordinary. So I really enjoyed this movie. And funnily enough, like you and I share very different opinions with Army of the Dead. I very much enjoyed Army of the Dead. I thought I it was a it. load of fun. You liked it, but I think you didn't like it as much as I did. And mm. I, and that's maybe because you're more into zombie movies maybe than I am. But for what it was, I thought it was really fun in terms of the shoot. It was ridiculous in terms of the timeline and how it all kind of plays out. But um, this movie, I think carries a lot of that um, that similar look and feel. Now, Zack Schneider obviously isn't directing. It's Matthias. I'm not going to pronounce his surname. Is, is directing There we Perfect. go. But it's still very much got that feel that you've got from Army of the Dead. So if you enjoyed that, I think it's got the pace. It's got the, um, the, the cinematography is very similar as well. Kind of these weird sort of almost Guy Ritchie-esque 
sweeping shots, isn't it? It's very lock stock. It does look like even if you didn't say you would know this was set within that world that Army yeah. of the Dead was setting. It has the aesthetic and the feel and the pacing and the cadence of the characters does feel like it's very firmly rooted in that same realm as not only Army of the Dead, but arguably a lot of other Zack Snyder movies as well, outside of, for instance, the DCEs. Obviously it's not gonna feel like it's set in there. Yeah. So you do feel like that. I, I'm not saying that as a, as, you know, to, 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 to rag on it or anything. I do actually like Army of the Dead, for instance. I think it's one of Zack Snyder's better films. I think I said that in my review, actually. Um, he has a story by credit on this. So he has come up with a story, presumably as part of developing Army of the Dead. But other than that, it is written by Shea Hatton, who also wrote uh, Army of the Dead. So... It is tied in there. I mean, you can't escape the ties between one film and the other. You will wind up watching this and then straight after sticking Army of the Dead on because... You'll be in for about a six-hour marathon then. (laughs) That's the other thing. Did you think... What did you think of the length on this? I didn't mind it, actually. I think I found the same with Army of the Dead because there's so much going on. It just kind of flies by. And, you know, the setup, like... Sometimes with these kind of movies, like I'm going to take Cruella as an example here, with a long movie that's kind of an origin story. Yeah. With Cruella, I felt like the the early bit, I was like, oh, get on with it. I just want to see her as Cruella. And this one, I think, was, was split in enough kind of uh, balanced ways to make sure that it passes through giving you that background story into here he is being recruited. It felt like, so there's a few film references that I kind of link to this. So obviously you've got that kind of origin story feel, but you've also got this kind of now you see me kind of feel when they go in to do these like safe cracking, um, like competition that he goes into at the beginning. I'm glad you mentioned that because there is a great moment early on in the film in which he's, they're doing an, uh, what's meant to be an easy run. And he says, well, do you ever see a, a, a heist movie when they lay out the plan and they show you how it's supposed to go all easy and then in reality it doesn't? Well, this is exactly like that, except without the last part. This is just going to go easy. Don't worry about it. And you're like, okay, <laughs> we're literally being that meta about this. Yeah. Okay, and the fun is, Mateusz Schweighofer, I'm just going to show off I can remember the name now. <laughs> Mateusz Schweighofer, um, I think really has the perfect energy and rhythm mm. for it. He plays quite well off of Natalie Emmanuel. That you don't quite, it should feel a bit more forced than it does, but he somehow comes out feeling quite naturally. Might be the most natural bit of sexual chemistry ever putting anything with the name Zack Snyder on it. Well, but... the thing is, is that he is he is like a, a, a excitable puppy, hmm. right? And she's very cool, calm and collected, and that balances itself out between the two of them. She's brilliant in this, and you know, if you've seen her recently in Game of Thrones, and that's kind of what you know her from, I think she takes a step up to become like almost this sassy kind of assassin-y uh, thief in it. And I think it all, everything is perfectly cast. Yeah, yeah, she's really making some ways for herself. So look, overall, really solid movie. So much good fun. It will keep you entertained on your couch yeah. at home. It's on Netflix. Definitely check it out. Now, one thing I know I'm excited to hear from you about is something that's been out there for a while in terms of hype. And it's Last Night in Soho, starring Anya Taylor-Joy. I am intrigued by the trailer of this. So can you tell us what it's about? Okay, first of all, I'm going to correct one thing there because the marketing has clearly done its trick on you. Oh, everyone thinks oh. Anya Taylor-Joy is the star of this movie. Anya Taylor-Joy is not the star of this movie. Thomasin McKenzie is the star of this movie. So Thomasin okay. McKenzie is a contemporary, present-day, aspiring fashion student who goes off to London. You know, I think she's... 
she from Wales? I think she was. Uh, moves to London to go to you know the UAL uh, Fashion College, and uh, gets a room in a house rented by the late great Diana Rigg, no less, um, which is just next to Goode Street because the locations in this movie are very very important. They come up okay. a lot, even in the title, as you well know. She goes to bed in this room in the late great Diana Rigg's house one night and has a dream. And in this dream, she's Anya Taylor-Joy. She's looking through the eyes of Anya Taylor-Joy. And she is in the same room in, the, in Soho in the 1960s. And she's an aspiring singer. And all she wants to do is become the next great big star. She enters into a relationship, though, with a young man who may or may not have her best interests at heart. And slowly but surely, Thomasin McKenzie, our lead, starts to believe through these recurrent dreams, which take place one night after the other, that, a, that something that foul play was afoot and that uh, this aspiring suitor, played by Matt Smith, no less, has in fact murdered her. And you get this time-traveling, Hitchcockian mystery powered by ample an ample volume of Edgar Wright nightmare fuel. Well, I will. The bartender said I should get to know the handsome fella standing next to Silla Black. You should. And you are? The next Silla Black. Are you now? Well, you know she started out as a coacher girl. You willing to work your way up? Of course. What can I get you to drink? It's Sandy. And I'd love a Vespa. James, we'd love a Vespa. So what do you do, Sandy? Well, I sing, of course. There's your dancing. Care for a demonstration? So... Okay, yes, the marketing did work on me because Anya T- Taylor Joy sells movies. Thomasin, yeah. yet, Thomasin, I can't, yep. Thomasina, Mackenzie yeah, does not. No, you can't sell a thing, movie but, on that. No. Yeah, but it's exciting that, that she might be coming to the forefront because of this movie. I mean, is, is it any good? Let's, let's start with that. It's brilliant. It's Great. absolutely brilliant. Brilliant. Now, Barry, I, I, want, I want to just put my, my, my Edgar Wright creds on the table here. I, I think Shaun the Dead and Hot Fuzz are brilliant. I think uh, uh, Baby Driver is brilliant. I, I mean, I've come to appreciate Baby Driver more in time. I do, however, not enjoy uh, Scott Pilgrim versus The World. However, I respect how well made it is. Uh, also, The World's End didn't really do it for me. This, I think, is absolutely fantastic. It, it, it just works. Everything about it works. It's the kind of movie that's not really that groundbreaking in terms of the story it's telling, because we've seen this kind of thing done before as a thriller. <clears throat> Think, for instance, of Frequency. It's effectively Frequency with dreams, if you can, mm. can imagine, without the sort mm-hmm. of direct communication element. <clears throat> it's trying to solve a murder by being able to witness the past. We've seen that concept done, but seeing it done and played in that Edgar Wright way, the way that Edgar Wright Wright positions a frame, the kind of imagery he likes to refer back to, the influence of graphic novels and comic art, and the way that music just is in just injected straight into the DNA of everything he does. I mean, you could hear it in that clip alone. You know, the references to the black, the 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 booming, but you know, baseline underneath it. It's just a, a perfect cacophony of these elements that in the hands of anybody else wouldn't work. 
But it all works because Edgar Wright seems to know how to get the right performance from the right performer. He seems to know that you want to get that very specific, creepy Doctor Who performance, go and get a Doctor Who performer. Because in the Mm. same way that David Tennant makes such a great psycho, it coincidentally turns out you could very easily tell sell Matt Smith as a potential psycho. There's no spoilers for any of this, by the way, because the the movie will subvert your expectations seven ways from Sunday. I could probably Mm. legitimately drop a spoiler in, and the movie would subvert it three ways before it got there admittedly in very you know sort of trite ways that this genre does the way the hitchcockian template kind of offers it the ability to do but in a very slick edgar wright way i can't recommend this highly enough thomasy mckenzie's great anya taylor joy is great that's how good the movie is i don't even like anya taylor joy i think she's great in this no i Ah. just no, the witch, the witch, she's great. Anything else, I just don't get it. I don't get it. She, she's pretty. I just, I just, I can't see what. The Queen's this, Gambit. This, oh, I've not seen the Queen's Gambit. Maybe that's it. I've not seen that yet. Uh, don't judge uh, until you've seen that. I forgot she was in that. That's on me. I withdraw my statement. I'm now ambivalent on Anya Taylor. Ladies and gentlemen, Ugh. Van Connor is not a man you can trust with his opinion if he hasn't seen. <laughs> not all with, the film. not with Queen's <laughs> Gambit. Did you see? Did you see this? By the way, that they they released they released a Queen's Gambit board game. Like as a merchandise what? thing. Chess. Yeah, that, that's the that, that's chess, isn't it? Literally that chess. Anyway, beside the point. Um, also, we got to talk about the visuals and the and the, the, the setup, the, the the sort of the the, the ambiance, the atmosphere of Last Night in Soho. Which, if you've ever been or seen or had any love for London then or now, absolutely wonderful to behold, and it will make a newborn local star out of the Toucan pub all over again because that thing is a landmark. We've been there a few times, I think. Uh, we're all going to have to go now. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a Edgar Wright location. Um, in the meanwhile, you've got to see The Last Night in Soho. It is brilliant. I, I cannot say enough nice things about it. Go and see Last Night in Soho. Welcome back to Off Screen. Let's keep things cinematic. And we are very much so. We are keeping it with two more movies. Now, we had obviously a little bit of a horror with uh, Last Night in Soho, and we're going to keep it creepy at the end of this particular block with Antlers as well. But first up, we have Passing, which is an interesting movie set mm. in the 1920s, starring Tessa Thompson. It's filmed in black and white. It is the story of a woman who bumps into an old childhood friend uh, who she hasn't seen for 12 years and completely doesn't recognize her. And her childhood friend has turned into a woman who is married to a white man. Now bear in mind that both of the women are black. She's married to a white man who doesn't believe that she is black and therefore has put on this facade that she's living at the time, the life of an affluent Affluent, white woman. And then starts to integrate herself into Tessa Thompson's daily life in Harlem and causes all sorts of disruption for her and her family and also her mindset as well, which leads to interesting consequences. I'm trying to find out the history of the blonde you've brought along. She's a girl from Chicago I used to know. Princess from Chicago. Things aren't always what they seem. Bobby Dan. Lots of people pass all the time. It's easy for a Negro to pass for white. I'm not sure it'd be so simple for a white person to pass for color. So you haven't ever thought to? What? You ever thought of passing? No, why should I? Now I have everything I've ever wanted. This is my husband, John Bellew. Does he know? But you dislike Negroes, Mr. Bellew. No, 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 not at all. 
I hate them. <laughs> so this is the uh, writer directorial debut of Rebecca Hall, of all people. Wow. And, okay. Um, and uh, so this is this is a very strange one in one sense because this year I think marks the hundred and twenty fifth anniversary of the invention of cinema. And it, it's very interesting because when you start thinking about what that means in terms of how long it's taken for certain things to happen in film, and in the same sense that it's astonishing that it took as long as it did for Solomon Northup's Twelve Years a Slave memoir to get nominated, to get uh, adapted into a, into an actual film, and then of course go on to win all the awards. It's strange in the other sense as well that uh, Nella Larson's novel is still called Passing as well, has taken the same amount of time. This was written in 1921. Mm. I think it's set in 1924. It, and it is absolutely harrowing. It's one of those things that... Mm. It, it, we, uh, as far as the uh, the depictions of the era goes, it's interesting that Passing does not come up more in contemporary depictions of race. And I mm. suppose a lot of that has to do with the fact that particularly American cinema likes to try and avoid looking at the black experience from an urban perspective at at a very specific point in the 1920s. And you look at things like the Tulsa bombings and things like that, the Tulsa attack, yeah. uh, and, and how that was a big surprise to people when Watchmen dropped a couple of years ago because it turned out that most white culture, like globally, had no idea that had happened. Like, I remember watching the episode of Watchmen. It had that effect, and it was noted at the time that it led to something of an, um, an, an, inc an increased ability to sell darker elements of black history to white audiences on the horror of them, as well as the education, which is a very strange thing when you get to movies like this. It's incredible, again, that this took so long to come. And that it mm. came from Rebecca Hall, of all people, mm. is, is very, very interesting. Um, again, unifying Tessa Thompson and Ruth Negger on screen feels like a, a pairing that you are waiting for this to happen in a very strange it's way. It's a great pairing. It is a great pairing, but you are waiting for these two to pair up on screen, and it doesn't disappoint. Mm. The dialogue feels at once both faithful to the source material, and I do, and actually faithful in terms of its story beats as well. The, the dialogue takes a little bit of liberty here and there and contemporizes it a little bit, but doesn't feel like it's being unfaithful at all. It does feel like you are still essentially reading the same text. From there, there's not really much in the... Actually, do you know what? There's not really anything I can really critique it on. I liked it very no, much. No, I, I really liked it. I was surprised at how much mm. I liked it because... It, it, it feels very of its time. Even the, the fact piece. that they're filming it, even if they're filming it, they're filming it in a standard definition frame mm. as well, which I think is really fitting for oh, this. Oh, the four by three. And also yeah. the, uh, the, 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 the the grain that they've added to it. Yes. They've, they've, they've arcade the image. Yeah. It's quite effective as well. It does create it does create an interesting atmosphere. It does. And and the commentary on race and stuff is actually quite, it's, it's quite, it, it's really nerve wracking to watch this in a way because you kind of think, I can't believe that this is happening. But it's a slow, well paced movie. Alexander Skarsgård, who plays that yeah. horrendous husband that you heard in that clip, you know, he's only in it in a few little, you know, peppered in throughout the, the movie, but it's enough because he's so tall as well that there's this horrible like uh, like almost grandeur about him and he doesn't do much but it's just there's this that's the way the kind of casting has worked in a really really good way everything about this is solid mm. and it's just gonna the, the difference is, is apologies I'm, I'm jumping in on here but the, the difference is is that 
I think it's not going to, unfortunately, I don't think it's going to appeal to a wider a wide audience because they're just not used to seeing this. But when you do watch it, I think you'll really appreciate it. I think outside of, you know, the critics sort of scene, I do think this is only really going to appeal to an audience that, for instance, enjoyed, say, Malcolm and Marie recently mm. for the same kind of, this is effectively a chamber piece, black and white, interesting yeah, shot yeah. idea. But I do think incredible debut for Rebecca Hall, certainly, which is yeah. just not something I saw coming, if I'm really honest. And this was this yeah. went down quite well, LFF, I think. Um, we got to move on, though. Let's talk about Antlers real quick. A new movie from Scott Cooper. Uh, remember Scott Cooper gave us Out of the Furnace? And, and oh, yeah. God, what was the one The one I really liked? Hostiles. Got no love, yep. Hostiles. Um, and Wes Studi, who's in uh, Hostiles, uh, turns up here as well. Um, so uh, this, this stars Kerry Russell and Jesse Plemons. And it's like a creepy, folksy horror movie centered around the legend of the Wendigo. Because, you know, like every supernatural thing we've had this century, like the actual show Supernatural, the X-Files, things like that, they've all done a Wendigo episode. You've got to do the mm. Wendigo episode. It's the one thing you do after you've done the werewolf episode. You do the Wendigo episode. There are many, for many anyone, director For anyone who doesn't know... Yeah, for anyone who doesn't know what a Wendigo is, do you want to just quickly... Yeah, it's effectively folklore werewolf. It is the other version of the werewolf, effectively. But it's so vague that you can make it kind of anything you want. So here we're going with the sort of, it's the werewolf, but it's kind of a deer kind of an idea. If you you can imagine, it's mashed up with a deer, hence the the clever title. Um, (laughs) So, I mean, literally. So weird. So (laughs) this stars Carrie Russell as a... A, a, a teacher in her late 30s teacher in a small town who is overcoming a life of trauma and abuse and is clearly fighting the throes of alcoholism we've shown her you know staring lovingly and, and temptatiously temptatedly temp- temptatedly what's the word there? you know being tempted by you know the, the bottle of vodka across the supermarket aisle from her kind of a thing um, you know clearly dealing with this day on day um, has come to share a home with her uh, town sheriff brother played by Jesse Plemons who himself has feelings of inadequacy he doesn't really want the job he has but doesn't feel that he's quite up to it at the same time and isn't really treated with a lot of respect in this very grey, grisly and miserable small town. Uh, In her capacity as teacher, however, she has a young boy in her class who has undergone tragedy recently in his own life, has something of an abusive uh, pattern of abuse going on in his own home and is showing more and more signs of extreme trauma day on day at school. And she starts to look into just what's happening in this boy's life. Um, Lucas, did they tell you at the hospital? Tell me what? Your dad died. He's not dead. Yeah, he is, Lucas. My brother, Paul. He found him in your house. No. That was my old dad. The one who was sick and mean. My new dad is related, but Aiden doesn't understand. And he needs me. I just have to feed him, and he'll love me. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, that is creepy. Like, the the bass, the rumbling bass at the bottom of that is creepy enough in itself. Um, Halloween is obviously happening this weekend, and does this feel like a perfect 
little anecdote to you know to, to go and watch just to see the actually creepy, yeah creepy <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I'd, I'd go and see this. I'd go and see this over Halloween Kills. I mean, if, if it comes out of the choice in those two, just skip Halloween Kills. See, this is way better. This wow. is what happens if you just do a traditional small town werewolf movie, but at the same time, you want it to have something like that that resonance that you're aiming for with Halloween Kills, and at the same time, want to go for something in the folk horror genre, which is obviously getting you know something of a resurgence in recent years because of things like the 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 ditch and you know movies like that where we are getting to the creepy elements of remember the the hallow we had the uh corin hardy's uh the hallow a few years ago yeah. with it was, where it was like it was like nature itself was the monster and this works really well it's, it's effective it's cool it's smart doesn't particularly toy with you in, in in a lazy way when it can take a take a more intelligent swipe, and the performance from uh, Jeremy Thomas, who I think is a, I think a relative newcomer. He's been in a couple of things. I think relative newcomer as as Lucas the boy. Uh, he's just so creepy, just really? incredibly creepy. And Carrie Russell, I think, is very good in mm. this as well. Carrie Russell's not someone we ever did ever really get. I wouldn't associate roles, it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's an interesting casting choice. But she's always good in everything that she's in, and so she's I think solid, it's... isn't she? She's dependable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she is. She but is. Okay, she's good here. Yeah, good. All right, I, I like that because I was thinking. Obviously, last night in Soho has that kind of creepy horror element to it. But I think what's really interesting is if there's something that is proper horror that is kind of coming your way for Halloween. That's what we need. Okay, right, coming up next, we're gonna keep that proper horror feel as we take you through right up to Halloween and beyond on our staying in and watching your movies on the couch. And now it's time for a segment we like to call Off Screen Pays the Bills. Hey, Bex. Hey, Van. What's going on? (laughs) Hey, nothing going on but the rent. You know how it is. Oh, that I do. That I do. And you know what? The weekend's coming up. I'm thinking about maybe staying in, chilling out, staying cosy. What have you got for me? Is there something I can be doing? Well, do you know what? Funnily enough, our sponsors this week have got you covered. They've got... Well, actually, a very fun way to spend... I'm actually holding up the game in front of you. I'm, we are talking, of course, about Marvel's Dice Throne. So, Marvel's Dice Throne is... Uh, in fact, you might have heard of Dice Throne. So, there's Dice Throne's been around. It's, you know, it's a, a fun sort of dice-based board game. You, you select a bunch of heroes. In this case, this is a new Marvel edition. So, you pick from... You traditionally pick from any of, like, eight characters. In this case, you can pick from any of eight Marvel characters to face off with other players on this game. You play against one another and you basically see who gets the right to uh, to take the throne. So normally it's an cool. old-school throne. Now it is a special Marvel throne. And the way this works is you, you strategically roll your dice to earn different abilities and to earn different hero cards. And if you get different hero cards, you can get different power levels and upgrade your, your, your character and your hero. And believe it or not, I hadn't encountered the game prior to now. And uh, I, have been, I have been introduced to the wonderful world of, of Dice Throne. And uh, I'm forever terrified that I'm, I'm now going to lose a significant chunk of my uh, of, of my years of my prime to this game. So I'd like to thank our sponsors for that. And you can thank them yourself in the meanwhile by actually pre-ordering the Marvel Dice Throne game on Kickstarter. And you can find that by going to kickstarter.com. The full link is in the, is in the description for this episode. And that's Marvel Dice Throne, to which I will now be losing way more of my life. Thanks, guys. Wow. 
welcome back to Off Screen and staying on the couch at last for a fun weekend of film on freeview. So, keeping the Halloween uh, spirit going, Saturday the 30th. So, tomorrow night, BBC Two at 10:40 p.m. It is. I think Mark Kermode calls this the greatest movie ever made, doesn't he? It's, oh, it's The Exorcist. He does. He, I, he. I've been to many talks and screenings he has had on this movie. I've, I've seen it a lot. Um, the The Exorcist. It's. It's. Yeah. You know. William Friedkin's uh, adaptation of uh, of the of the novel that led to the movie that caused the biggest uproar, and I think the video nasty spun out of this. And oh man, The Exorcist! I, it's I will I will not be watching this. Oh, will you not be watching it? You chose no. it. That's the part I love. I I, I chose it because it's important. <laughs> So th- this is the ultimate horror movie and we're coming into it's not showing on the Sunday night it's showing on the Saturday night which is the 30th and you know for me I have watched this movie once and I will never watch it again um, because you just wish it on you inflict it on others instead is that what it is yeah that's exactly it it is, it is one that I do not wish to watch again uh, for no reason <laughs> that it's, uh, not to say it's, it's not brilliant it just yeah it, it, for personal reasons I will not watch it again but it is Linda Blair sounds like me describing cats now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Linda Blair's head spinning brilliance in this mm. is um you know it is the stuff of nightmares and it is on your box on 10:40 p.m. if you've never seen it before watch it you may only want to watch it once and never again. Um for all of you guys who are a glutton for punishment go back and watch it multiple times. Um and it is there for your viewing displeasure. Uh, that's exactly what it is. So let's move on to uh Sunday very quickly and one of my favorite movies ever um it is the brilliant what we do in the shadows on bbc2 at 10 45 p.m this for me is the ultimate halloween movie apart from hocus pocus but this is the one that i love because it is i remember going to i think the lff screening when this came out Mm. and there was the moment the coffin gets opened by taika watiti and you just see that he's turning an alarm off the whole cinema erupted in laughter. And this is the movie that's brought out, you know, we're werewolves, not swearwolves. It's just so funny. And it's just brilliant, brilliant humour, which I think has all of the plaudits that it, it deserves. It's just brilliant. It's 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 also the start, start of its own little franchise. It's a mockumentary. Yeah. It's a mockumentary yes. franchise. Set in New, De- set in New Zealand. <laughs> so the yeah the movie that starts all this off, which is what we're talking about, this is on ten forty five pm on on Sunday night uh, on BBC Two. Uh, so this is the this is a New Zealand based Coven of Vampires. Coven of Vampires clan. No, that's Coven of Tribe. I don't know what they call the clan House, of vampires. House Household. of vampires. The household of vampires. <laughs> who, who are literally, who are not related. They're literal roommates. They're literally housemates. They rent a room together in this house. And this is mockumentary, handheld style. They talk to camera and take you through what it's like to be a werewolf, uh, werewolf a vampire in 2014 New Zealand. Werewolves do come into it because they're a thing as well. There are also witches. And we discover this because the TV series that's currently in its third season, just airing now, I think, um, takes it takes the form of a spin-off of another house of similar vampires in Staten Island. And the characters from the movie have appeared in that series. So it does, it is, it does, it counts and it is carrying over. But here is, here is Jermaine Clement talking to camera, intercut, doing a piece to camera, intercut with them entertaining would be victims at dinner, delivering one of my favorite lines in any comedy along the lines of you ever. Nick, are you a virgin at all? What? Doesn't seem like. Are you a virgin? Yes. Um, no. You were a virgin when we were seeing each other. 
Yeah, I was 12. You said he was a virgin. I think we drink virgin blood because it sounds cool. I think of it like this. If you were going to eat a sandwich, you would just enjoy it more if you knew no one had it. Let's concentrate on Josephine then. Are you a virgin? <clears throat> I'm not, no. Okay, I'm really sorry because I totally pinned her as a virgin. She looks like a virgin, she talks like a virgin, I mean. Who would have sex with her? I wouldn't. I would. <laughs> I've got to watch this again. It's like, I like to watch this every year. Like, mm. it's, it's that good. And I so didn't really, good. it's so good. I didn't really overly take to the series. I'm going to try again with the series, but this, this Go for back. me is... Honestly, yeah. you, you stick, stick with it and it builds and it builds and it really does take it into some surprisingly interesting story directions as well. So if you're a big fan of the movie, definitely go and check out the series because you'll love where it goes. Okay, I'll, I'll give that one another go. Let's move on to Monday, the 1st of November. Wow, a new month, a new dawn. Halloween is gone and we move into a new month. Um, Happy Gilmore is on ITV4 at 9pm. I mean, this is kind of your classic. Uh, this is Adam Sandler golfing. Like, it's just a fun movie. And actually, it's one of those movies that you think, wow, Adam Sandler hasn't made a bad movie in this instance. It's a bit of a surprise, isn't it? <laughs> well, it, it's, it's, it's you know, very strictly speaking, it's the, it's perfect adherence to the solid Adam Sandler formula, which is mm. Adam Sandler as agent of chaos, which is, yeah. he has a moral code that we as an audience sort of get on board with, but he is the wacky element that is dropped into a series of endless just straight mans, effectively. So Happy Gilmore is the agent of chaos dropped into, in this case, the stiffness of golf. Yes. You know, being that in the form of he's the hockey player. I love this movie. It's got one of my uh, favorite lines ever from Shooter McGavin, and it has to do with the things he eats for breakfast. Um, I love that so much. I, I want it on a t shirt. I will get that eventually. Um, it's great. It's, it's perfect. Adam Sandler has, I, I'll argue, it's probably between this and The Wedding Singer for what the best Adam oh. Sandler performance is. It's got to be. Right? I, I, I have to go with The Wedding Singer. Like, oh, I love The Wedding Singer, especially when he's. When, yeah, but it's 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 a scene in the wedding singer when um, the guy on the stage is starting to sing. Do you really want to hurt? And then someone just goes, "You suck." <laughs> can we can we just can we just uh, put a, put a, a pin on that one as well, an asterisk on that, and just say when I say the best I'm sound of forms, I mean out in in the comedy genre. I don't yes. mean like yes. uncut gems and things. They'll be atting me. I don't need to talk about uncut gems again ever. Okay, uh, let's move on then to. Uh, Tuesday night, this was, we'll just go through this one because we don't really need to talk about it too much. Uh, this was only because every option we had, we had covered recently. And this was one of the one we had, ones we had covered the least. And it's ITV4, 9pm. It's the classic that is Con Air. And we know we've talked about it a lot. We know it's great. You know, we're being honest, throwing our hands up. It's a lack of options. Um, similarly pitched Wednesday the 3rd on 5 Star, 11pm is uh, 28 Days Later, the, you know, the classic Danny Boyle launching Killing Murphy uh, zombie movie. Yeah, uh, you're a love fan it. Back, I love, yeah. Oh, huge, huge fan of this movie. I remember buying it on DVD, having it mm -hmm. in my collection and just absolutely it loving it. So it wasn't it? It really was. And to me, uh, you know, for, for me, this is, this is the story of like a guy, Killian Murphy, who wakes up the day after the zombie apocalypse has happened. And... It, 
it would go on to take the thunder out of the pilot episode of The Walking Dead, wouldn't it? Because that was literally yeah. the same set where the guy just got up and he was like a day later. And you're like, oh, well, I mean, this is, I've already seen the other guy do this. Yeah, it's so, oh God, honestly, it's just so good. But it's so British as well, which is mm. what I think Danny Boyle does so well. The cinematography in this, I remember there's a bit with, um, I think, is it, is it Ray Winston that's in it? Who's one of the army guys? Oh, Brendan, oh, not Ray Winston. Oh, no, it's uh, who am I thinking of? Brendan Gleeson. Brendan Gleeson no. is the uh, the dad, the taxi driver dad that they meet along right. the way. Right, sorry, yeah, that's it. And there's this, just this moment of the rain and then the drop of blood that just drops into his eye. And it's yeah. just so cleverly done and so gritty. And yeah, it, this is a movie that if you haven't watched in maybe 20 years, you should probably pick it up again and give it another yeah, watch. I certainly will. 20 years old yeah. now, isn't it, this one? Unbelievable. Crazy, it? It coming out. I remember how much of a novelty it was that the DVD came in a red Amaray case. Yes. Anyway, oh, uh, let's go on to Thursday then. ITV4 having a good week this week, aren't they? ITV4, uh, 11.20, Black Hawk Down. Not much you can say beyond it's the who's who murderer's row of up-and-coming talent. Of the day. It was 2002 and you had people like Orlando Bloom and Tom Hardy and people like that in there. Story of uh, the US military operation gone sour in Mogadishu and based, just recreated in just horrifyingly uh, authentic and immersive detail. Uh, Eric Barner, I think, really killed it in this, didn't he? Yeah, there's such good cast in this. And I think, you know, it's a really solid kind of war movie for this generation it feels very much of yeah. the now rather than sending you back to like world war Two. yeah i think it's really worth watching so itv for 11 20 p.m for that now friday we're finishing um our collection of this week with um the helen mirren led eye in the sky on film four at 7 p.m it's also uh stars aaron paul but helen mirren basically plays a military officer in command of an operation to capture terrorists in kenya and her mission basically escalates um when a girl is enters the kill zone and triggers Mm. this huge international dispute over what the modern warfare implications are General, if we go ahead, might footage of our attack be leaked? Sir, the footage from the Reaper is completely secure. General, I would feel uncomfortable if we did not at least wait a little longer. If we go ahead and footage is leaked, and this girl is killed, then I think the country would be most disturbed. Foreign Secretary, it is our task to make the right military decision. We cannot engage in an argument about possible future postings on YouTube. With respect, General, revolutions are fueled by postings on YouTube. I think for this, you know, because a lot of it is kind of set in the war room for this. And that's where Helen Mirren Mm. is based. And they had really clever, I remember they had like beetle shaped drones and stuff that would fly in and be really, um, it it was just an interesting take on a war scenario and, Mm. and how that is handled. And I think Helen Mirren is brilliant in it. Aaron Paul is very good in this as well. It works. It works in every way. So good Friday night movie for you. So there we go. You've got a good selection quite an early one as well that one because it's 7pm on uh, on yeah, film because it's not an especially even though it's a war movie it's not an especially like violent war movie it is largely about no, the it's good. of war yeah and I think that's what, what, what really kind of captures your imagination with this as well so again another very interesting take so we go from Halloween to war at the end of the week um, but we'll stick with us we're going to bring you everything that is in between on the couch and on the big screen because we are sticking on your DVDs your Blu-rays and of course your streaming Whoa. 
welcome back for one last ride off screen. And we're taking you, as always, down the DVD and Blu-ray aisle, where this week there is but one title on offer. Well, one new title on offer. There are always many titles, obviously, but one new title on offer. And it uh, it comes highly recommended by my uh, my three-year-old nephew. It is Paw Patrol, the movie. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Right, genuinely, I have watched this, and it's not bad. Okay, I'll trust your word for it, because I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> like, this is a better TV show to movie adaptation of a kid's show than Power Rangers has ever gone. Mm, okay, Gen- interesting. I mean, it has the same logic flaws as the, you know, the animated series, which is, I mean, it's not like a lot, it is still animated, but uh, because Paramount are funding the, the bill this time, they can afford slightly better animation, so it's slightly bigger and they get to go to a different city and like, and they can afford like, you know, cape couple of names to show up and be like the villain and the new love interest and things like that. <laughs> but other than that, it's, it's literally an episode of Paw Patrol, but bigger and given an actual cinematic story arc. It was more than I expected, so take it from uh, my nephew. It's uh, it's worth a watch. It's out on DVD and Blu-ray from this coming Monday, the 1st of November. So, over to streaming then, Bex. Well, we've got quite a selection for you. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, we've, got one of, oh, we've got a really good selection for you. Um, my first, the first movie is one of my favourites. Uh, Point Break is out on Netflix on the 1st of November, yeah. which... I did I check mean... as well. It's the good Point Break. It's the good one. Oh, okay. Good. Good, because I won't settle for anything less than the no, good one. No. Patrick Swayze, Keanu Reeves, um, Catherine Bigelow directed brilliant surf bank robbing heist FBI movie. What do you need to know? Nothing more than that. It's brilliant. You should watch I it. I can't offer us tube today, sir. <laughs> uh, that, so on to uh, the following day, on ne- also on Netflix, we have one of my very favourite movies of 2019, actually. It's Hustlers, in yes. which, and I still maintain, Jennifer Lopez should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actress for 100%. her role in Hustlers, in which she is effectively the ringleader of a, well, or, or is she, as the film does go on to, to ask us at different times, um, of a group of lap dancers who basically run this side gig fleecing bankers out of their yeah. uh, their ill-gotten gains. Explained thusly by the mighty J-Lo. These guys, they don't want to be written about on page six. They come through the back. They take the private elevator to the one room without cameras. And they don't leave till they spend $10,000, $15,000 in one night. They can be degrading, possessive, aggressive, violent. And they never get in any trouble because everyone's willing to cover their tracks. Because deep down, they all want what they got. They all want to be on top where there are no consequences. You're just another deal to them. And that's all they are to you. It's business. And it's a more honest transaction than anything else they did that day. Oh, it's so good. And actually, I'm not saying this in a... a, any other way than it's brilliant but jennifer lopez rocking that pole is quite incredible for a woman her age um and she looks astounding doing it and constance Wu is brilliant in this the whole cast is fantastic it is a bag load of fun Mm. and great that it is like a female centric movie in this sense because it's i find it really empowering as a movie i think it's it's a really really strong uh, offering for you so yeah the stripper's done good <laughs> yeah, it does it does it play it does kind of play like the female goodfellas you know yeah. <laughs> if i was clever enough to think of what goodfellas good 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 no 
Because I know mm. loads of people loved um, Widows, right? Where the Steve yeah. McQueen movie Widows. I didn't love I that loved at it. all. I, I really loved oh, Widows. No, I really didn't love that. This, for me, is a much more accessible movie than Widows. I didn't find it as pretentious. Um, but then Aww. maybe that's how... That's how I feel about Steve McQueen, but, you know, hey-ho. I, I, uh, I feel like that about Steve McQueen, but I still really love Widows. I, I hated how much I love Widows because it was Steve McQueen. Anyway, uh, let's move on to um, The Harder They Fall. This is the following day on Netflix. Uh, Wednesday, so this has had a limited theatrical release this past week. And mm. uh, they, we did email uh, Netflix and ask... And they're just, they are really random about what they will and won't reply to. Yeah. And as evidence by the fact that we've reviewed two Netflix movies this week that we obviously had to have had replies on. Um, but yeah, we never heard, heard back on The Harder They Fall, which is the African-American Western that stars uh, Idris Elba. And, uh, and to be fair, I hear really good things about. I'm looking forward to this. I mean, that's I, interesting. I, I so I was, I was just going to say, like, is it covering up a few problemos? No, because it's got good it's, reviews. Oh, okay, interesting. Did, then uh, what, what are you doing, Netflix? <laughs> yeah, he had, had a decent buzz out of LFF because it screened at LFF. And, mm. um, you know, loads of people, loads of mutual friends of ours went. And obviously, neither you nor I went to LFF this year, but, well, because COVID. But, uh, you know, we, hear, we just heard lots of really good things. It was odd. Anyway, so we can find out for ourselves on Wednesday. That's the good news, Bex. Yeah. We can find okay. out for ourselves. It's all good. We can find out. But one, and I've been wondering for months what the hell happened to this movie. This okay. comes to Amazon Prime next Friday. I don't think we might get to review it. I'm not sure. I know next week we're going to do Eternals and Spencer, and uh, if you know, I presume we might have room for this. But it is uh, a Liam Neeson movie that I think was meant to be out middle of last year. Sold. <laughs> yeah. Wait for it. It's it's Liam Neeson does American immigration on the southern border and takes on the cartels. Oh wow. Yeah. So Take this could, <laughs> it could be brilliant or it yep. could be really, really bad. I mean, the one thing is, I'm just glad that Liam Neeson's gotten out of the snow for a bit because he seems to keep making oh, movies yeah. about snow and ice. And I don't know what that does to a man psychologically. I'm glad he's getting some heat. But uh, The Marksman coming to Amazon Prime next Friday. We'll try and get a link, see if we can cover that. Mm. And, uh, and that'd, that'd be a good lineup, I think, for next week. What do you think? That'd be a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it'll be interesting. Like, the big one will be The Eternals, the big Marvel movie. Spencer is the awards lovey at the moment. Mm. Um, the Marksman, and then what else have we got? Have we got a fourth at the moment? Hang on, do we? We've got. Oh, we've also got the card counter next week. I forgot about that one. That's the Oscar Isaac Paul Schrader movie. Now, okay. the Oscar Isaac bit is really, really good. The Paul Schrader bit could go really, really either way. <laughs> like, no, no, that one really could go badly. Like, did Paul Schrader do the Canyons? I think he did the Canyons, the Lindsay Lohan oh. erotic thriller from like 2013. Oh that God, was no, that was in no way erotic nor thrilling. That's yeah. that's not what we want to hear as a sentence. The Lindsay Lohan erotic thriller. No thanks. Oh, <laughs> it was. Have you never seen it? 
Oh my god, it's it's actually worse. It's so awful. I'll I'll, I'll get it, I'll get it for you. It's so bad. You've got to watch it. She's oh she's just god. she's not even mentally in the room. Maybe she, I'll have to. Maybe I'll watch it instead of watching The Exorcist. There we go. Oh, I'll watch that as my yeah, own horror movie. I will watch movie. it. About as scary. It's really <laughs> about as scary. I will stress that. I will stress though that on principle, I have to buy a pre-owned copy of the film rather than a new copy because I can't put money fundamentally in the pockets of the porn star turned aspiring actor James Dean, given certain allegations made about him in recent years. But uh, he he actually plays Lindsay Lohan's partner in the movie. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you will be watching Lindsay Lohan <laughs> and an actual porn star. Wow. So wow. Well, on that note, on that note, I think <laughs> it's probably time to to wrap things up, and I hope on that, that James Dean wraps Come things back with up. Marvel movie, yeah. <laughs> Um, so off screen next week you obviously want to join us for more fun um i'm sorry that i've ended that on such a grim note uh but um we will be back with more brilliant movies that are out on the big screen the small screen and everything in between for you so this has been off screen i've been bex perfect i've been van connor and we shall return <laughs> <laughs>